Developers, 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 developers. Developers, 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 developers. Hello, and welcome to the Static Void Podcast. I'm Jess Chadwick. I'm Todd Slater. And I'm Chris Gomez. And we are your hosts. We're recording this on the evening of December 6th, 2015. And in tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about specialization in the field of software development. Uh, Things like what does it mean to become a specialist versus a generalist? And why would you want to become one over the other? Uh, To to get us started, Todd, why don't you define what what do you consider a specialist to be or a, a generalist when we're talking about software development? So when we talk about the difference between being a generalist versus a specialist, my opinion, the basic idea is if you're a generalist, you're kind of a jack of all trades, but maybe not necessarily a master of any, or there might be certain areas you are you specialize in. Like I said, like web development. I may be a web developer, but I also will also do database development or back-end development. I'm not necessarily specializing in any one field. Where if you're a specialist, you, they're kind of two different tracks. You could be that big grand thing like, I am a database developer. Or maybe it's like, well, no, I'm a SharePoint developer. Uh, you could also have specialization is maybe you, you're more of a functional developer. You work with functional languages versus optical programming languages. The one question I have to, to start off with, if I'm calling myself a specialist, would I be a web developer or would I be a, an Angular developer? Like is, is web development a specialty or is that not specific enough? Would it be more like Angular or... You mentioned, you know, functional languages or something. What if would I call myself a JavaScript developer? Would that be a specialty? Like, regardless of whether I use JavaScript to code in, you know, jQuery or Angular or Ember or, or React, I'm using JavaScript. Um, would you consider all of those to be specialty? Just kind of different different scopes of specialty. Remember when the web was pretty young? You definitely had your front end person who probably got pretty good at HTML and CSS. And then you'd have, you might have your backend people who knew uh, a server side language, whether that was C sharp or Java, because that divide was pretty sharp. Then I think maybe they would use PHP. Um, I don't think it was an, it's a pretty recent phenomenon to say, Hey, I can do it all because I know JavaScript. So I can know JS and I can, do the front end and I'm everything. In fact, you know, a lot of people entered this field because they were great with Photoshop and they picked up HTML and CSS because they could bring their designs to life in a web browser. And then they would say, Hey, I need somebody to write like some, some C that I can use as a CGI script or something, (laughs) but that's how it was. So there was definitely some specialization going on then. And then as these web platforms started to grow, it was drawing the rest of us in, you know, like, hey, hey, you know, C++ or C-sharp developer, you can do it all. <laughs> to me, if you want to say I am a WordPress developer versus I am an ASP developer, those are really very different skill sets when you think about it. I mean, there's a crossover between them, but there are very different skill sets. We may look at something being specialized when in reality it's still somewhat generalized, right? If you are... To me, the, the quintessential definition of someone who's very specialized, I'm a business intelligent database developer, right? You're almost describing what you do on a day-to-day basis, not driven to a technology, not driven to a platform. You just do business analytics stuff, right? Um, where, again, web development is a very broad thing. I'd argue more what we do, at least just you and I, and I think Chris too, is we're line of business developers. We build line of business applications. That's sort of that, that describes what we do. Because you could also be a web developer and build Amazon.com or whatever, right? Those are sort of different things, in my opinion. 
Yeah. As far as trying to narrow down specialization, I think part of it is to do with the context, right? If I'm looking for a job, what is the first thing people see? They want I want to see Sharp developer or I want X developer. In many cases, that's a specialization. I th- I think that a lot of businesses maybe don't know exactly what it is they want. So they're hiring developers and then saying, hey, we want to do something and hopefully you can figure it out. So that's why you see the resume say C Sharp and SQL and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, as a, as a manager myself, I, I look for passion, right? So I, I look for developers who are smart and passionate about development. I actually lead the UI team. So I'm always hiring UI developers, right? Specifically web developers, right? So even in my team, in, in my organization, in my company, we do do some native development. But in my team, even when we are developing for iOS, for iPad or whatever, we're doing HTML, JavaScript development, right? We, we write web apps. And so I'm always specifically looking for web developers. We've currently chosen Angular. And so I'm looking for people who can do Angular, but not necessarily Angular developers, right? So I'm not looking to necessarily hire somebody with two, five years of Angular experience. I'm looking to hire someone who really gets web development, gets the browser, gets HTML, JavaScript. And if I have to teach them that, that language or that platform that we're using, then I'm, I assume I'm going to have to do that. It's not even like I'm happy to do that. I just assume that's just part of the package. And if I don't, then that's just kind of a bonus. Yeah, that makes sense. So here, here's, I think, is a good thing to, to dive into a little more. We talk about web development, right? There's people that go across the whole spectrum. Chris brought up the idea that someone might just be a Photoshop person that's learned HTML and CSS. In many cases, they may consider themselves to be a web developer. But what you just described, to me, is totally something different, Right. You're not just looking for the someone who can put HTML and CSS together. They have to have other skills. Is that correct? Logic, logical skills. Yeah. Front-end developers, I think, is the most widely used term. Basically, the, the folks who are only doing HTML and, and a little bit of JavaScript, enough JavaScript just to make the HTML move around a little bit, right? Add a little bit of behavior and interactivity, but not full-fledged, like making a middle-tier service, making an Ajax call to a UI tier and making a middle-tier call and all of that stuff. That's that really gets into the realm of, of application development, software development. And so those kind of folks really need to be the people who are implementing the, you know, the Ajax calls to the middle tier and actually implementing middle tier in, in, in services. They're the folks who need to be to really understand application development and logical thinking. Whereas the front end designers, the folks who are just making um, a really nice looking prototype, which are really crucial members of the, of the team. And that's a really crucial thing to do, but they're not responsible for maintaining that, that backend and everything. They don't need those skills. They don't need logical thinking. They need creative thinking. It's far heavier on the creative side to make a really interactive user experience, right? So in other words, they're producing the user experience the application developer, the software developer, takes that experience and actually implements it, right? Makes it work, makes it save data back to a, back to a server, back to a database somehow. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, what would be one area you consider yourself a specialist or expert in? So I was just thinking about what I've done in, the say, the, just the past five years. And I was thinking, you know, just in the if I just limit myself to the last five years, 
I have worked on websites and I've also uh, worked on, you know, what I think maybe fits more along the line of what you're saying, middle tier services, Jess. So like, you know, HTTP services. But, you know, (laughs) it wasn't that long ago that I built an Android app. And it wasn't that long ago that I built a WPF app that controlled a um, a DSLR camera, and yeah. it wasn't that long ago that I built a uh, that I was I didn't build this site, but I maintained and, and worked on and improved a site that was um, using ActiveX controls. And I'm and when I'm thinking last five years, yes, that was still a thing, or even doing um, ETL with SSIS. So here's the thing, right? Maybe I've just defined like, wow, I've sort of probably not really mastered anything and just learned this, like the massive stack. So maybe this is what you would even call like an architecture type position. I don't know that that's true, though. I've never had that title, but it's like, I think a lot of times um, my employer looks at like, well, let's just ask him what he thinks we should do from a technical perspective. Now, what do I do today? You know, I, I, I kind of feel like I've settled in on web development. Um, I'm very passionate about it. I like learning a lot about it. But then, you know, I spent a lot of time <laughs> learning about a lot of things. So I might be that, that quintessential example of this really curious developer who's become a super generalist. And I don't know if that's really necessarily a good thing for me personally. I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing for employers. I'm not sure. Well, I think that's that's the interesting question. Um, this gets back to the whole idea of the context or perception. Is you just describe basically the kind of work you've done. If you were to go looking for a new type of job, like what would be an area you'd want to focus on? Yeah, what are skills or something you want to focus on. I think since I figure that no matter what, the web is ubiquitous and everything else is coming and going around it, that I've marketed myself as 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 web a web developer, but uh, you know, I'm also very interested in, in moving to the cloud. So I'm learning a lot about microservices because I think people are thinking like, Hey, what is this microservice architecture about? And being able to at least discuss it and then maybe talk somebody out of it might be a useful thing because in some, I mean, a lot of people are going to be heading towards this and it's not the right thing for them. So again, it's like if I went looking for a job, I think what ends up happening with me is I find something that sounds interesting and then I kind of morph myself to, to, um, to look good for the position. And that's something that only comes with experience. I couldn't have done that. I couldn't do that, uh, in, you know, when I was three or four years on the job, but now that I, I honestly, you know, I can put, it's kind of scary, but I can put over 20 years of experience. I can even think through that experience and pick through it. And it's none of it or none of it's lying, but it's just pick through the experience so that the resume shows experience that fits what I want to do. So, Jess, does it kind of feel like you're becoming a specialist in the areas of your expertise or is it sort of the other way around? You focus on one area and then you dive in to become an expert. So what comes first kind of thing? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question. For me, I've always been so surprised at how much easier it was for me to learn new things by drawing on all of the other things that I had learned previously, and some of them not even necessarily directly related to that thing. 
right? And so to give an yeah. example, I still remember when, when I first saw um, one of the earliest Azure talks. It was at a uh, conference with you, Todd. I was sitting right next to you. And we were watching somebody giving a presentation on, you know, okay, now this, the cloud thing is new, right? Azure is new. How do you use it? How do you architect your applications to be cloud ready? And I turned to you and I said, oh, you know, what do you think about that? And you said, that's just good architecture, right? That's just loose coupling and distributed architecture, right? Th that response told me a lot of things. Well, first of all, you know, this isn't anything new. So the cloud architecture and distributed systems are nothing new. Um, but it was also that, you know, I've, I've drawn on these other experiences. Like I've never actually used the cloud directly, but I can look at that. I can look at that circle and block diagram, right? And those circles and arrows, and I can just see what they're representing. And I understand what they're representing um, just because I've done that kind of thing before. So I have a, a quick follow-up question to you. Isn't in many ways that's what you're a specialist in? I call that app development. There may be a better term or something, but it sounds like you specialized or you're an expert in that. Does being an expert make you a specialist in that? A specialist in, in like app architecture and yeah, app distributed development. application development. Yeah, that's kind of what what uh, Chris was implying earlier. I don't really buy that. I, I think that that systems architect that takes that higher level thing, um, and in like an entire giant enterprise can kind of say, I see how all of these individual applications compose together to to be a system. I think you kind of have to be a generalist. You have to have a solid understanding of, you know, you don't necessarily need to know how Node.js works or even how to program an application in Node.js, but you need to know what it is. You need to know what, uh, what is good about it. What can it do well? What, can it, what, what does it do badly? What are its downsides, right? Why wouldn't you want to use it? Why would you want to use it in various scenarios so that you can kind of choose the right tool for the job basically without actually having to go and actually implement it you know that's not your job anymore once you're at that point if you're saying a systems architect is kind of a specialist position i would say it's more of a it's more of a generalist thing right by definition you kind of generally have to know a little bit about everything the, the breadth over the depth yeah which i think ultimately gets down to the the different levels of of viewers in your career level but also sort of how you, you define what you are. Because you could be a SharePoint architect or a database architect. Those are very different things than what you were describing from a system. I still don't know what a SharePoint architect is. I've uh, heard that term and I have no <laughs> idea what that means. That's a rabbit hole we're gonna we'll save for another discussion. <laughs> so Chris, back back to you a little bit. You said before you kind of consider yourself more of a generalist. Do you kind of see any drawbacks to being a generalist or even just a specialist? Well, I think that that's probably our drawbacks for sure. What if we took a developer, what if we created a developer out of clay and we said that he's lived in Visual Studio, he's been with .NET, um, maybe didn't start in 2000, maybe kind of came in around .NET 2.0. That's, that's who knows why. Maybe that's when he or she graduated college or whatever, or, or just came over at that time and has been building ASP.NET apps, maybe did a little web forms, maybe did some MVC. Does this person provide value to you or do we maybe incorrectly call that person the junior developer i mean is that is that what we do to them this person let's just say this person is really passionate and they're constantly learning about that stuff but they've made a conscious decision why do i need to learn about the op stuff isn't that what operations people are for or, or another person a solutions architect i mean i'm going to produce the best web solution that i can 
And then we say, oh, well, you're junior then. Like, is that, <laughs> are we doing that right? I wonder. One of the things that I often worry about is, am I giving, am I going to be giving the right expertise to my employer? And so, uh, you know, I definitely try to compensate by really, really digging in when, when some specific topic is being called on. I also get nervous when um, maybe I've brought up a particular past experience, and so then it gets thrown back at me later. Chris, you've worked with ETL before, and I'm thinking, oh, God, it was six years ago. You volunteered. And I'm sure that uh, SSIS has changed so much since SQL 2010, right? Like, those are the things that go through my mind at that moment. But yet mm -hmm. I'm being called upon now. Like, you're the expert in the room. And I go, yeah. well, shoot. Yeah. I mean, I have, maybe that I is true. 20, I have 20 hours more than everybody else right. here. I'm the expert. <laughs> right. Maybe that it's is true. That maybe I am the expert in the room. I, I did a project in 2010 using a pretty nascent solution that's probably uh -huh. grown up a lot since then. And there may be better solutions on the market. But, hey, let's talk about what I know. Uh -huh. I had I had that same experience with BizTalk, by the way. Yeah. Like I did one project in BizTalk, and now I'm the BizTalk expert because nobody else on the team has ever done it. Yeah. So it makes me nervous sometimes, especially when this happens is when I realize that I might know the most on a team or a group about like securing, you know, web security as part of the development side of web security. Even the little things like, hey, how should you store passwords? What should you do with logins? What, how do you avoid cross-site scripting? And then that, what really scares me about that is, is, you know, when you do a little bit of web security, you learn very quickly that you know nothing. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. Is, is a so did you just describe yourself as the security expert on the team because you knew those things? Unfortunately, that's so okay. Those so are, those are the kinds of things that I would expect everyone, like in order to be a web developer, and I don't mean a specialist in web development, I mean in order to create a, a web application that you actually ship out to production and be a responsible developer, yeah, generalist or specialist, I mean, you got to know about security enough to like make those decisions. Right. But yet we see every day, you know, literally every day we're seeing certain data being exposed. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that every data breach out there is foolish, idiotic developers. There are just sometimes really clever hackers in this world. But when you sometimes see what data was being kept or how it was being kept, I scratch my head and say, wait, why? Why were you even keeping that? That was foolish. Yeah. Do you think um, that's a side effect of generalists being providing specialist uh, applications? Or other, in other words, you know, a, quote, application developer, a generalist that just knows how to develop applications in, 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 in any language, basically, going and making a web application and yeah, not they, getting the yeah. depth uh, and knowing right. what to actually do and, and how to do it right. Right. Like they don't have a strong enough sense for maybe what the word encryption really means. So heaven forbid you see like, you know, rot 13 <laughs> algorithm applied or uh, some folks might say like, well, hey, MD5 is a hash. And then they'll use the word encryption like, oh, we've encrypted stuff with MD5. And it's like, ah, <laughs> like I, yeah. you know, that makes me shriek. <laughs> Yeah, But I imagine there's a lot of people, you know, out there who are like, I've never learned about that stuff. Yeah. Is that well, okay? As, as I'm asking that question is that, and as you're answering it, I'm realizing that that's actually, it, it, it's kind of a dumb question because it, that you need to consider security 
in any application, you know, web or otherwise, and a native application, a mobile application, a web. Well, in application, today's world, whatever. absolutely, that's the yeah. world we're in now. Yeah, right. And so, so your your answer consisted of well, you need to encrypt things, right? You need to encrypt passwords. The the, the way that you encrypt things in the different platforms or different languages might be different, but the need for encryption and the ideas around encry- encryption are the same across the board. So this leads me to to something I think is also kind of interesting when you talk about generalists versus specialists, and that's perception. Um, we are consider ourselves application developers, right? And Chris was talking about how we have you have to put certain things into security. When your boss signs you a task, or maybe your coworker or a friend or whatever. They probably assume some of that stuff is kind of baked in. They're like, here, you're building a website. That's just part of building a website. Why is, Why do you need to be a specialist in security in order to do it right? Right. And I think that's the inherent conflict of interest. So as we talked about this topic, where my head went is there is a conflict of interest between what the business wishes its software developers could do and what is a realistic expectation for what human beings can do. I mean, I, and I think a lot of it is because what we do is so intangible sometimes. I don't know anything about building houses, but I do know that when a house is built, a lot of specialists come on to do the job. And I don't think anyone blinks about that. I don't think anyone says like, wait a second, what do you need these plumbers for? Your electricians or whatever else, right? Yeah. Like, well, you've got these other laborers here with tools. Why can't they put in the toilets, right? And I think... Because what we do is either intangible or poorly understood by our managers. And that doesn't necessarily mean just the people above us. I might have a very knowledgeable direct manager or even two layers of. But there's a layer above that might be a CEO. And that, if, I'm, if I go all the way to the top and their their primary responsibility is making money, not figuring out technology. And so the conflict of interest is... I want developers who I can give things to do and then the widget gets built and they go, well, gosh, that's not how you build cars or houses or anything. When you say that maybe it was better if people were a little deeper in a subject and specializing, well, the inherent conflict with the business is, well, now I got to hire more people and they're going to be more expensive. Well, I don't want that. So I'll keep hiring these app devs who are generalists and, and only know a little bit about everything. <laughs> well, that's why we have consultants, right? I mean, if you really think about it, the term consultant sort of applies you are probably a specialist in a certain area. Yeah. Because as a and consultant, I've, you have to sell yourself a little different than, than an app developer. For a long time, I've kind of seen this idea that the industry wants us, industry as a whole, a big, big industry thing, kind of wants us to be specialists. Where my experience, it seems more like I'm a generalist who focuses on areas I need to for that particular time or project. I might navigate between different things. You're a generalist who becomes a specialist for each project, for each project's needs. Or in a way, I'm an expert at being a generalist. (laughs) Or even in a role, right? Even in your role. We were talking about security and a couple lifetimes ago, I fell into being the person responsible for making sure that we passed the web penetration tests. And I got really good at it. We never had any problems. Do I want to do it again? Well, I don't know. I'd have to dig in again. <laughs> Time yeah, right. has gone by. Or just because you were the expert back then. Let's say you were the expert back then. Or I, at least I did good enough. It doesn't mean that I was the expert. It was that the bar was set here and I was able to leap it. 
I don't know right. how high that bar was set. It might have been set down at my knees. It might have been set a little over my head. I don't know. But right. it was good but enough. Now you've been out of the game, right? And so things have changed. So techniques, attack techniques, and, and protection uh, techniques and software and libraries and, and things like that have, have, have changed since you were since you've done it. I think that's part of being a specialist is keeping up on things. I think it's part of being a software developer is keeping up on the industry. But, um, you know, because like I said earlier, I, I'm just responsible for the UI. And so I've totally slacked off o- over the past couple of years on database stuff because I just don't need to care about it. And frankly, I never really have cared about it. And I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. Um, but so, you know, I'm sure plenty of things have been happening in the, in the, in the database space, um, in, in the past five years or so that I just haven't had to worry about it. And I haven't, I, I may come across it sometimes and I just glance over and I just pass it right by. I don't even bother reading it. And so I've fallen behind in that space. Whereas I still do largely kind of consider myself a generalist, meaning that I could construct a full end to end solution, including database you know, relatively easy. I could come up with a successful solution. Um, I would have to brush up on the database part. And so I, I just think it's important to, to, to stay up to date, right? I yeah. think that's a big part of it. But you have to even more when you're a specialist. I think it's expected of you to stay uh, not just up to date, but like ahead of everyone else. I think that is kind of a, the definition of, of being a specialist. So this was about getting to my point of the idea that it seems like for a long time the industry is trying to that force or pigeonhole us into being specialist, but it almost is like if you don't specialize in something, it's too hard to be a generalist. There are too many avenues to deal with. There's hundreds of things to deal with. If you don't pick at least two or three of them, you'll never be able to have be uh, good enough at any of them. Does that make sense to you? Do you sort of feel that too as, as the industry has evolved, that, that we kind of need to specialize, at least in certain areas? I think that's actually right. And so... It's contradicting everything that I've said about myself and my career, but I feel like it probably would be better if folks were more uh, dug a lot deeper into, you know, certain disciplines instead of like, I mean, I I was just talking about the things I've done in the last five years, right? Like everything from WPF to Android to website to web APIs, some database stuff. I don't know that that's necessarily good. Well, but when you did those things, when you did Android, did you become a specialist? Even for a short period of time, did you become a specialist in Android or did you learn just enough to get it done and move on? I think I learned just enough to get it done, except for the caveat that when it was performing poorly, I dug in and figured out why and solved that problem. So it was enough to get that project done. It was like, hey, this is the expectation and then, you know, like I said, I got it functionally working, but said, boy, the scrolling is terrible. It feels really janky. Do a little research, find out why. What is it specifically about Android? And I'm not putting down Android. It was my use of the SDK. It, my expectation for how I should use it didn't match to what I should really be doing. And then you do a little, you know, did a little research, which is not necessarily easy. Sometimes it's documentation is great. Other times you end up on Stack Overflow and that's, you know, the crapshoot. And I got a lot of bad advice, and then I got a lot of good advice, and then I finally figured it out. So what does that mean? Does that mean that basically I just hammered away until I got it? And was that the best thing for my employer? Should my employer have gotten an Android specialist? Probably paid them more, I would think. Would, would, would that have been a better choice? Would they have actually saved money? So 
in many ways you're describing yourself as a front-end developer who often also do middle-tier development. None of us are really talking about databases, right? I think there's a, we can all easily say if, if you're in a database, you're kind of, that's your domain, right? And most people who are living in the database generally do not have very good skills building UIs, right? That's, you have products like Access and, and DBase that came about just because database guys were trying to build UIs. What you were describing, it sounded like to me, was things that a UI front-end developer thinks about, right? Like how well does a screen scroll, um, security, how do I get secure and, and do things, how do I get data in the back end? Isn't that really the same type of thing you'd be asking yourself if you're building a web app in Angular versus building an Android app versus building a WPF app? Aren't those skills kind of the same thing, even in a technology change? I think that's true, but I'm also willing to get into a discussion over whether third normal form has totally failed us. <laughs> Because it's true, but it wasn't that long ago. In fact, I can point to a specific mentor of mine that I had a job with who was thought of as the database guy. And it was in a time period where the best practice was considered do everything through stored procedures. Stored procedures are the interface to the data. And we did that. We followed that methodology for all of the things that someone might come on this show and argue with us like, well, we don't do that anymore. We did it then. And he was really good at it. And I learned a lot from him about that stuff. Enough to the point that now when I look back and say like, well, here's the problem with third normal form. It's great for analysis, for data analysis. And that was fine maybe 20 years ago, except now I'm going to have thousands of people hitting my site and I want it to scale out. Well, SQL Server and RDBMSs don't scale out well. They scale up, but scale up has failed us. So now I want scale out. And the problem with third normal form is my customer pays. He pays for me writing to the database and having to have all the indexes updated and the reads are slow. So why am I talking about all this stuff that has nothing to do with UI? Does it mean I've poked around too much in backend general, you know, in, in thinking about backend systems because I want to have a good conversation with my team and my employer now and help steer us in the right direction. So to paraphrase, you're saying that you are, you don't consider yourself a database expert nope. or a database specialist, but you're able to articulate your, your opinion on something. You're, you're able to take a stance and articulate it with pretty specific technical facts in, in that area. Yeah, sometimes better than others. Sometimes it's not so good, and I'll, and I'll, but I'll always admit that. I'll always say, hey, I need to know more. About, I, I don't know enough about this. Yeah, but so I could say the same thing in, in web development, sure, right? So about I everything. do consider myself a, a specialist in, in web development, and there are plenty of places in web development where I can't even art articulate a very specific argument uh, with you know specific technical facts backing it up because I just don't know enough about that area. So part of what I wonder a lot, and this is really the answer to the question, is Am I doing myself a disservice by like diving into too many things? Maybe I should just, like, as you pointed out correctly, that a lot of the concerns of a person building an Android front end are the same as the concerns of a person building a high performance WPF front end or a web front end, or they're going to use Apache Cordova, whatever. Am I doing myself a disservice by like, well, here's the task at hand, so I'm going to figure it out, even if it's got nothing to do with that stuff? I don't know but I've certainly thought about it a lot, <laughs> especially when we started talking about this show. To me, the skill of knowing the things you have to do are more important than the platform and technology. And that's just simply because technologies come and go, right? Yeah. We have Android today, two years from now, who, who knows if that would be viable for what you're trying to do. And I thought it was interesting when you were talking about the, the database stuff, 
you never really talked about it, at least from my opinion, from a database point of view. You talked about it from the end user's point of view. So to me, you're still driving from that UI experience or the end user experience. Because ultimately, when you put indexes and things, yeah, it's also about making things faster, but it's also about oh, organizing yeah. the data. Sure. So No, no I'm, I'm not buying that. I'm sorry. I have to cut you off because the, the user does not care if the database uses third normal form. They care if it's fast or not, but third normal form isn't the only way to make things fast or slow. No, but, I'm, but, I'm, but my point was, is from Chris's experiences, that's what his viewpoint was. He wasn't thinking about the structure of the data and trying to optimize space. Someone who's a database expert thinks about it in that point of view. But he was mm -hmm. able to articulate in that regard, right? He was able to, to use that language and, and make those arguments and know enough about the space to make those arguments. Know that those are the arguments to make. Right? Yes. Yeah. Even know that to go there and then back it up with, with specifics once you do go there. I get your point, though, Todd, is that you're saying that what I've developed is a personal point of view. And it's actually, it's actually outside of the role that I have and the job that I have. Because what I'm now sort of putting together is this point of view, like it drives just about everything that I even bring to my current employer. So what I mean by that is that I get very frustrated when our products are difficult to install and operate and maintain for our internal operations people, because I view them as customers and I say, I want them to scale effectively. I don't want to, to be in a world where to add another customer, part of adding another customer means I got to add two more people. So I want easy to use software. So it, I think what you're kind of driving home is that I have like a, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, a point of view about what makes good software and that everything is deriving from it, whether it's back end, middle tier, front end, architecture, whatever. In the end, I'm saying I want a good experience for the people that have to use this stuff. You have a, you have an opinion and you have professional experience and you've, by experience, I mean that you've screwed things up and you've seen things screwed <laughs> up and so you know what yeah. to avoid and you've been able to extract from that uh, more general things. So you, you've you've screwed up in the web, you've screwed up in WPF, you've screwed up everywhere. We've all screwed up everywhere, right? And But you're able to kind of say, this is, this wasn't a WF problem, a WPF problem. This was a threading problem, right? And threads, you have to deal with threads everywhere. Sometimes I'll just phrase it as like a, we didn't care about our customers enough problem. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, sure. I, I built, we built this thing and it's a Swiss army knife and sure engineers can understand it, but no one else can. So what a waste of time. Now, what is that? Is that a, is that a specialty? <laughs> what, what? Caring about the user? I think that is a specialty. Sadly. It might just be. So I, I, this gets back to my original point of the idea. I think that when you talk about generalists for specialists, it really is about your point of view or your context, right? Because your boss just says he's a tech guy, right? Or sure. he's my oh, developer. Gosh. I know. <laughs> he expects you to have these certain things, right? Yeah. All the things you brought up, I think, are, are whole other conversations for another day that, that all stem down to this fact that we kind of looked at ourselves as being generalists, but in many ways we are specializing in certain areas. And I call it app yeah. development. That's the term I use. No, I understand. I use that term a lot too. Like I like building apps. I'm, so to, to put it one way, so people have asked me, maybe this will shed some light on it. People have asked me like, well, hey, would you like to work for Microsoft or Google or something? And I realized a long time ago that I'm not in, I don't believe, I don't think 
I want to build the low, like, I don't want to build windows. I don't want to build visual studio. I want yeah. to use these things. You don't to want to build the products. plumbing that makes Google search work. Right. So I've yeah. definitely delineated something in my head. I don't yeah. think I would enjoy that. I think what I enjoy is taking all the wonderful things that the world is building, all the topics we've talked about on the show and thrown out there, whether they're Microsoft or not, and making a, a product on top of them, standing on the shoulders of these giants, really. Yeah. So I think it, I'm, I'm basically paraphrasing what you just said. I think that being a specialist is having passion about a certain thing. So I think that you need to be at some level of generalist in order to succeed in software development at all, right? You need to understand fundamental concepts and these concepts are more or less the same, uh, or at least they're represented across any technology or platform or anything. And what makes you a specialist is really just having some kind of passion about a certain thing, right? So even though I know about databases, I'm, I could come up with a database myself and I could use it to store data and make my application work. I don't care about databases. You know, like my eyes glaze over. You, you, got, you just started talking about third normal form a couple minutes ago. I almost fell asleep because I just don't <laughs> care, right? Like I need to care. I need as an application developer, as, as a consumer of databases to, to store my data and retrieve it and have that quick experience that, that you were talking about, Todd. Like I need to care about these things. So, but for me, I consider databases as a whole a necessary evil. Why? Because I'm completely bored by them. Whereas some other people, you know, DBAs, like they choose to live their whole lives in there. I'm not, I'm not criticizing DBAs. There's nothing against them. It's just they are interested by a different problem. And when I said I'm paraphrasing you, Chris, right, the folks, there are folks who just love just working on Google's infrastructure, right, and, and everything that goes in behind the search, whereas, you know, that, that also just doesn't appeal to me. But web development, I love me some web development, right? <laughs> I, love, I love using, using Angular to, to make beautiful experiences in, in the browser. I, I love using, uh, you know, web tools, HTML, JavaScript to build mobile apps, and that kind of stuff really excites me. And so I really want to stay up to speed. I want to learn the best ways to do it and make those the best experience and everything. And so I kind of choose to spend time there, right? So I, I years ago uh, when, when ASP.NET MVC was pretty early, um, I went and I just wanted to see how it worked. I was just so interested in it. I literally... When, when they opened up the source to it, I went and read every single line of source. And so yeah. I started becoming the de facto expert in my organization because, you know, if you had a question about MVC, go see Jess because he read the entire source, right? So I didn't, I didn't read the source to become an expert. I didn't read the source to, to, to get fame at my job or anything like that. Like I just, I was really interested in how it worked and the rest just kind of followed, right? I just kind of became a specialist became an expert in ASP.NET MVC just because of my initial interest in it. So I have a following question, but first I want to ask Chris about fourth normal form. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, my I'm going to take a nap then if you're yeah, going to talk about that. The, my question was, um, so do we, like when you first started out in development, right? And I'm sure, I know Chris is very big into game development. I want to be a game developer. That's why I went to school to be a game developer. Other than some goofy games I wrote early on in my career, I build apps. That's what I do for a living. Yeah, but right. I didn't set it up to do that. So we've all kind of been talking about our different experiences and things. Do we become experts and passionate about things because that's sort of where our careers went? Or did we choose that first and then take our career that direction? That's sort of a... It's a great uh, question. 
my my observation. So well, what do you think, Jess? Do you, do you think that you mm. specialized in something you're passionate about, or if you're simply like, you know, this is what I got to do every day. I should really focus and become an expert to specialize in this. Well, I know I've definitely avoided technologies. I use SharePoint. I hated it. I, I, I made a vow to never use SharePoint again, similar with BizTalk. Um, so I've definitely avoided things. Have I have I gone to things? Have I driven my my career in a certain way? I don't think so. I mean, this came... I, I, I noticed the way that we were talking earlier. I think you in particular, Chris, were talking about like getting a job, right? When you go and you, you, you look for a job, um, are you looking for... Are you looking for an Angular job, you know, or are they looking for you? Are they looking for Angular developers? I, I think it's natural to go and find the jobs that you are a good fit for, that you have those skills. But then also, like, if you see a lot of, you know, for me, if I saw a lot of SharePoint or a lot of BizTalk, I just wouldn't go for those kind of jobs and I would go for the other ones. But I'm not necessarily going for an Angular position. Um if they are looking for Angular, if they're looking for experience with Angular, that's great. It's clearly a good match, but um, I'm, I'm really looking for interesting things, like interesting applications, interesting solutions, interesting situations. And if that ends up putting me, if I'm doing ASP.NET on, on the back end and Angular on the front end today, and I have a new job, and in six months, and now I'm on Node.js and you know Ember.js or Backbone on the front end, it's fine by me. That's cool, right? Because I'm still doing what I love. I'm still building user experiences, still in the browser because the browser is the hottest thing, at least right now. Um, but, you know, even if it takes me away from web development, that's that's great because I'm still going to be doing, uh, building great user experiences. I don't know. Does that answer your question or did, did I just babble a lot? <laughs> it, it, it definitely answers the question. Um, and then that's sort of for what I sort of expected the answer to be is, I think you kind of where you what you're doing day to day sort of drives the big picture, and then you say, "I want to focus on this," and to yes. me that changes yeah. over time, right? Yeah. Chris has talked a lot about security, and I know before we've talked about kind of functional versus programming. There are certain things you eventually draw your attention to, and I can see once you're sort of like, "Hey, this is something I want to do," you would then say, "Well, how can I best apply this?" Is my day kernel job, or is there another job? What what is? There are lots of ways to sort of tackle that problem, right? Yeah. Well, I have a great. I mean, the the job that I have right now, um, I, I I started speaking to them because I liked the I liked the position, I liked the role, I liked where they were going, I liked their mindset. And before I took this job, I didn't know Angular. I literally hadn't used Angular. And though you know, and so my manager in the interview was saying, you know, we're using Angular, we're rolling out Angular and everything. And I said, okay. And so three weeks later, I knew enough Angular to get started. And you know, two years later, now I'm I'm practically an Angular expert. And that's not because I wanted to learn Angular. I just I had to. And since I I loved that world so much, and since I was so immersed in it, I just decided to go full hog, right? Just. Because that's what I do. So I went and I started looking at the Angular source code just because that's, that's what I do, right? <laughs> that's a scary, yeah. scary place to go. <laughs> Been there a few times. Yeah. So you know what it is, is, is I think I like solving problems. Is that a specialty? I don't know. But it's not the kind of specialty I was thinking about at first when we were talking about the show. I, I thought a lot about some of the people, especially in the Microsoft world, that have made a name for themselves doing different things. At Philly.net, we had Bob Martin last year or the year before. He came in and talked about what does it mean to be professional as a programmer? Heck, he's I think he's been giving that talk for years. So is that a specialty of his to think <laughs> about 
and it he's thinking matter. about. It it doesn't matter what what uh, what language or what platform or any, I mean that talk will survive for years because it can be given because you know all all of those same questions and concerns that he's speaking to are, apply to any kind of platform or any language. Right. right. So he talks about being a craftsman. So is he specializing in <laughs> thinking about what it takes to be a quality <laughs> software craftsman and evangelizing that to people? Is that he's known for that, right? Yeah. I, I think, I think it's like when you say, you know, what, what word comes to mind when you think of Chris, right? Like X and A games well, right or is i know it, how know, i got my start with philly.net is signal r talks to the point that people would come and ask me like hey i'm trying to do something with yeah, signal right. r and signal every r, once yeah. in a while i'd be like well i haven't done that but let's <laughs> yeah, talk right. about it anyway <laughs> in their <laughs> yeah, I think life you're the specialist you're the expert exactly well no yeah i think it's more that right when when other people have a problem with like a specific technology or something and they say who can help me with this and a name pops into their head or is is the first on in, in, in their head I think then, you know, that person is, it can be considered a specialist. But then <laughs> what I was going for was kind of the inverse of that. Like when you say Bob Martin, what comes into your head? Object oriented programmer guy. <laughs> like clean Design code, patterns. software craftsmanship. Yeah. Well, I, so for me, the, the translation of those answers is, is, is a generalist, right? He's able to kind of speak to a lot of different, a lot of different things. Software development. Right. Yes. Just generally speaking, a lot of aspects of software development. You can't get any more general than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you two yeah. worked on the ASP.NET MVC books. I'm sure for a while, you know, here's who you talk to about ASP.NET MVC. Yeah. A lot of people still make that mistake, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting point, too, is like just because you were a specialist or an expert at one time, we've already touched on this a few times, but that doesn't mean you're always going to be. Uh, be that expert, right? I, just just the other day, just on Friday, I was looking to implement an ASP.NET action uh, an action filter. I can't even say it without pausing. <laughs> <laughs> a, an action filter, and I had to like Google it. I had to figure it out. I wrote a freaking book on ASP.NBC, and I think yeah. I actually wrote the chapter on action filters. I had to Google it, right? Because it's been a few years since I had yeah. to do it, and so you know, why didn't you just grab your book? Hey, well. <laughs> It wasn't there. I don't read books. <laughs> There's the ultimate book online. It's called Google. You, it searches billions yeah. of things at once. It's yeah. much faster that way. I think one of the challenges that most people have when we talk about specialization is how do you avoid becoming pigeonholed into a certain specialty or being looked at as, hey, Jess, you're the angler guy. We're just going to come to you because you have all the answers because you know angler. Is that bad? I mean, you're saying it like it's a bad thing. Well, I, I don't think that a bad is a bad thing, thing. But if you are like the ETL guy, now every time there's an ETL problem, they want, hey, you're the ETL guy. Maybe that's what, if you're passionate about ETL, then that's exactly what you want, right? You you want everybody in the organization, everybody in your company, whenever they have an ETL problem, they you want them to come to you because that makes you feel good, right? Just because you're passionate about it and that's great. I'm not saying that's why you are learning it to make everybody yeah. come to you, but, you know, you you know it that well and you love it that much that you want them to come to you because you want to help them solve their your their problem because you love that technology and you love solving those those problems but i i think that it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing to be a specialist it's not a bad thing to stay a specialist it's only a bad thing when that specialty becomes irrelevant right when that technology or whatever it is dies out and you have now built your living on that and the last 10 years of your life are basically irrelevant 
I think the the thing is, is that developers often have a fear that if they don't keep up, they're not going to be able to get a job, right? And you were talking about, we were talking about like, hey, if you're really passionate about something, do you want to be the person that you, that everyone in the company comes to? And maybe we're not thinking big enough. What you want to be is the person that everyone in the world comes to, yeah. to solve well, I think your it's the same, web it's forms. It's the same question. It's just a bigger scale, yeah. right? It's your web forms problem, your Silverlight problem, your COBOL problem, your year 2000 problem. I mean, 1998, 1999 was a great time to be a programmer who knew how to deal with those legacy systems and also had the the guts frankly to charge correctly for it yes should have that was probably wrote their retirement right at least you better have i hope yeah and sometimes i think to myself because i make the mistake of still thinking like i'm that young guy is maybe i should need to be starting to think about that what are the legacy technologies that i can still contribute to (laughs) and should be billing a heck of a lot more for and that's yeah. maybe the power of specialty. Well, and that's interesting too, because you're talking about billing. And so if your drive is to make as much money as possible, then that's going to affect your decision of what to specialize in a lot more than like what makes you excited. What are you passionate about? If you're passionate about making money, then your decision is going to be different of what technology and, and whether or not to specialize or what to specialize in is going to be a lot different than, you know, what makes you really excited. So again, you know, SharePoint developers, SharePoint architects, whatever that term means, they're making crap loads of money right now. I refuse to do it. That's right? what we I, always say, right? No we matter, always say the no SharePoint guys are making tons of money. <laughs> yeah. We should get some of them on the show. and We and should and be them, like, how much them, money are you really yes, making? Exactly. In the- tell us, please write in and tell us how much money. <laughs> They'll say, I thought the Angular guys were making all the money. I know. You web developers, aren't you making all the money? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, whatever they want to pay, double it. And then maybe, maybe you want to deal with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the, the the point I was getting to earlier is that that's great, right? And so you make all this money and, and you, you, you are the expert in all these technologies. Um, but when they die, then you need a, a plan B, right? And so you always need to be staying ahead. You need to be staying ahead, obviously, on that technology. But then you always have to be looking at that next thing. And so it's okay to be a specialist. It's okay to just bury yourself in one thing and make a name, but be ready when that technology dies to jump to the next thing and be able to make a name in that. Yeah, or, or evolve yourself into that, right? If yeah, your yeah. technology stack, I mean, you look at ASP.NET, how much it's changed in the last 15 years. If you're still running develop web pages like you did in 2001, then you're far behind. The technology's yeah. evolved. You need to still be able to build web, or web apps. But at the end of the day, what you're doing, you're putting buttons on the screen and users putting data in, you're saving to a database. And you, listener, what do you think? Uh, have you chosen to become a, a generalist or a specialist now or at, at some point in your career? Uh, if so, how, how did that work out for you? Do you have any advice that you'd like to provide other listeners? We want to know. Please leave a comment on the website, staticvoidpodcast.com, or send an email to comments at staticvoidpodcast.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And as always, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, feel free to let us know through those same channels. We want to make sure that we're talking about the things that you want to hear about. Uh, Chris, Todd, thanks for the chat. Yep, yeah, it's fun. Thank you. And thank you, listener, for spending the time with us. We hope that it was valuable for you, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Static Void Podcast.